0: What's up? It's another episode of Film Streak. I just want to get right to it. This movie, uh, this is about J. Robert Oppenheimer. It's about the atomic bomb. It's about World War II. It's about a lot of things, right? But I really think it's about something way bigger than any of those, any of those things. And that thing that it is about, if you can believe it, this is the way I see it. It's about power. Not just the power of atomic energy or uh, the power of physics or science. I mean, it's about the power of one man's determination, of his genius, of a nation, of a government of so many different things. It's about the power of power itself and how it can be wielded and how it can be dangerous and when it goes into the wrong hands, how it can be corrosive, all that kind of stuff. And the reason I say it's about more than, I guess, what you see on the surface than the plot and the characters It's because this film does a few things that are are unusual for the type of movie that it is. Or at least that it's proposing to be. You know, on its surface, it does seem like, well, this is kind of a straight historical biopic kind of deal. But it does some things that uh, are a little bit maybe fantastical. Uh, Certainly more um I don't know it's it takes some license right I mean even in the very beginning of the film where we don't really know this man or the, or the character let's say of j Robert Oppenheimer and it's either something that really happened or maybe it was in his mind that it happened where he attempted to possibly poison or kill someone that he went to school i think it was like his teacher or professor that's kind of wild, you know, and I guess there's some doubt as to whether that is actually what happened or even the way it happened. I don't know. I took it more as a, a little bit of symbolism versus this is an actual event that occurred. But the film even does some other things where there's a character that he has a relationship with, uh, played by. Florence Pugh, who, I mean, for one, like a Christopher Nolan film, traditionally, typically, whatever, there's no real intense love scene or sex scene. And this film has it uh, a few times. And I think it's relating to the intensity of this relationship with this character, supposedly, allegedly, who knows. But the fact that it is a, it, in imagery and the way it's depicted for Christopher Nolan film. It's pretty graphic. It's pretty explicit. And not only that, but it is uh imagery, especially of Kellyanne Murphy and Florence Pugh naked having sex, but it's in the middle of a hearing for this atomic energy commission. And it's totally out of left field. But the idea I think is that, These moments or this relationship or the passion of it all uh, was something that stayed with him, stayed in his mind, and it was infused into other moments. So that's a big thing that's really out of left field. You don't really see that in in typical Christopher Nolan films, so that's where I feel like it's done on purpose. It's not done to be gratuitous or uh, just to shock. I mean, there is a purpose to it. And then, of course, the last or the, the other most notable part of the film is after the test, after the Trinity test, after uh, the bombs are dropped on Japan, and there's basically the celebration of victory by America, and he has to turn around and give a little bit of a, of a speech to everybody there at Los Alamos who uh, worked on the project, the Manhattan Project, and. As he's doing that, he, his mind kind of goes elsewhere and he starts to realize, like, he's imagining the wrath, the, the fallout, the, the destruction of this type of weapon on the people that are maybe the closest to him or people that he loves or that he cares about. And people who are just as much innocently oblivious to what is about to happen to them. He imagines this all happen in a flash and he sees the destruction of it all. And it's played in a very kind of internal way. Like I think it's very clear, like this is all happening in his mind. And yet he doesn't know how to handle it. He doesn't, he, he just can't, he can't process the, the nightmare of it all. And I think that's a big part of the film too, is that It's showing us a lot of what's happening in this person's mind, not necessarily what's real and not even necessarily what's been documented or even uh, concluded from different accounts or whatever. It's purely a a matter of interpreting the nature of of this work on this weapon of this science and the toll that that's got to take, you know, the, 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 Maybe even the remorse or the grief or the tragedy of it all, knowing that, yes, this was done in a noble cause to stop a war that was taking so many lives every day, but at the same time, the cost of it is just on a human scale, is monumental. And so how does one process that? How does one process being the source of that destruction? And so I guess that's a big part of the film. That's a big part of this character study of trying to understand the mind that imagined and built this kind of technology, this weapon, but also the, the nation, the, the, the entity that needed it and whatever it was willing to do to not only develop it, but to protect it even against the very man who created it, right? So that's a big part of the film as we see the government essentially turn on Oppenheimer and kind of publicly crucify him for his very clear and very rational speaking out against the use of these kinds of weapons and the escalation of it, which of course is exactly what ends up happening. And yet it's something that for all the noble uh, scientific enterprise of it all, it really came down to we just needed a way to kill a lot of people very quickly. And it's, it's hard to find any redeeming value in that. And I think that is a big point of the film, is trying to depict what kind of a toll that all took on Oppenheimer throughout his life from the days of just understanding the science and the scale of it all, the scope of it, but then into turning that into a weapon and then seeing the fallout, seeing the destruction of it all. And even to the point where his own life comes apart in the process. That's a big part of this film. And, So that's why I think this really is about power. It's about the power that's wielded by so many different hands with so many different intentions, with different objectives in mind. And sometimes it's, it's, it's unforeseen the types of consequences they can have. Right. I I think that's the idea is this bomb was meant with certain purposes certain goals that had to be accomplished. But the fact is that it made the world, it made all of human history different from that point on. And those are points that are illustrated and, and even characters kind of verbalize it at different points in the movie and being so removed from all of that. Now, like even just being removed from the cold war itself, uh, by, what, 20-plus years at this point? No, 30-plus years. That's a big difference because there are people that are fully grown and living in the world today that don't understand that type of cloud that hung over every day of everything that you did in the world. Now, I grew up in that time. I grew up in the 80s. I was a kid at that point, but I kind of understood. Like the bad guys were out there and they had a very clear designation. You knew who they were. You knew where they were from. But what wasn't always clear is just how much insane destruction they could rain down on you. Right. And so it was always a matter of, you know, it would just essentially be the end of the world if we were ever attacked. And. It's really hard to understand that now, I think. There are parts of history in the last 20 or 30 years that, I mean, something like 9-11, the events of that day and what that all meant, that was certainly a change in how the world perceived threats and common interests, let's say, but... Never like in that period during the Cold War from the 50s on through into the early 90s where the the idea that the entire world and basically everybody would come to a standstill if somebody just decided to pop off. And that kind of fear, it, it doesn't really exist in the same way. Maybe it exists in different ways. But the fact that uh, this movie tries to really educate us or at least predict uh, retroactively, of course, but it tries to show us that there were people that not only were able to dream this stuff up, but able to understand what would come after it. And despite their own best efforts, they, they, they were on a mission to still make it happen. And they ended up having to live with it somehow. And so to me, that's the idea, is the ability to destroy the entire world that we know, that's unimaginable power. That's something that these days it would be, oh, this is a a villain in a superhero movie that can somehow destroy the world with a snap of his fingers, right? Here, this is a very real thing that was happening, or this was at least the theoretical outcome if this. Just played out far enough, right? So I think now it's like this idea is so, so distant. It's almost, it's actually just fantasy. But in the truth, there is a reality to it. And the reality still kind of exists today. It's not like nuclear weapons are gone, they still exist, and they are still potentially a threat. We've seen that in the developments with Russia and Ukraine. That that is something that is still very much on the table. I admit it'd be a far off to the edge of the table at this point, but it's still in play. And so I think uh, the the main takeaway for me for this film wasn't so much about the uh, performances. even though they were all great, all solid, such a deep cast in this movie, really doing a lot of work even with very little screen time for some people but really making it all count uh, the even the the plot itself the 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 way it's constructed you've got these three threads that are kind of running parallel to each other and uh, you know understanding some of Christopher Nolan's sort of writing and and structural tricks that he has done in films I thought this would be a, a a strange way to construct this until you get to the end and you realize, okay, we've been building to this project of building this weapon and then we're going to test it and that's going to be the big moment of the film. And when it doesn't come to that, when that does happen, but you realize, wait, there's still more to this story. Like we still got a long way to go. We're not done yet. That's when I realize, okay, this film is about something more than just this project of building this weapon. And so that to me, that was the eye opener. And I, I wonder if people would really understand it or are or, or getting that from this film, because I think a lot of, let's say the marketing or whatever, the hype over this has been, oh, this is going to be a big movie about the atomic bomb. I mean, it's in the film. And it might seem like it's the most important thing in the film, but that's not what the film is about. It is about something far deeper and far broader than just something as much as a weapon. So it's an important thing to think about, I guess, when you're watching this film, if you if you haven't seen it by now, um, is don't take it for just uh face value. Look at it for something deeper, some, some really more nuanced and, and honestly more uh, horrifying themes. The other thing is, you know, watching this film, I really was compelled to learn a little more about these real incidents that happen. And so, uh, I found this documentary that was on the Criterion Channel for a little while, right around the release of the film. I don't think it's still there, but you may be able to find it in other places to watch. Uh, it's called The Day After Trinity. And that's a documentary that it was done in 1980. And while Oppenheimer himself was no longer alive at that point, um, there were still plenty of people who are around the project who were still alive and were interviewed for it. And it even goes into a little bit of Oppenheimer's upbringing, his childhood in New Mexico and how that played into the decision to have the project itself staged there in Los Alamos. And so there's a lot of bigger context for the man and his life. And you get some of that in the film. Oppenheimer, but here in this documentary, you see the real thing. You see the real places and you hear from the real people. And so you can even kind of match up a few of the characters in the film with the actual real people they played. And uh, what's, what's also interesting, though, is now this is a film from 1980. This is over 40 years ago. But even in that, you can catch glimpses you can as these people are talking about their experiences and their their thoughts their feelings about not only the project and the test of the weapon but then what happened after the bombs were dropped right when you get their take on it and you even see I, i i just feel like i see them finally putting some things together maybe like now that i have to say these things out loud the gravity of what we did or what happened or what it meant for the world. I, you almost get the sense that a couple of people in that documentary, they hadn't quite done the entire math on everything that that moment in time meant. And others were very clearly either distraught or disturbed by the whole experience. And they have very different feelings in 1980 than they did At the time, what was that, 1940 or uh, 44 or whatever it was? So you can get a sense of the real human impact it had on the people involved. And not everybody was there to just kill the enemy. People were there to do science. And yet, in the end, it wasn't just a science project. It was to create the weapon of all weapons. And so looking at that documentary, it at least gives you a more real-life context for the people and for their thoughts on it. The film does a pretty good job of at least fleshing out more. You get a better sense of how many different kinds of people were involved. And not everybody agreed. Not everybody had the same ideas. And yet they still pulled together to make this all happen. And, of course, that's all around Oppenheimer himself who had his own struggles and demons to, to deal with. If you look at the film in those ways, look at the stark reality to it, but also it does take the film and even the documentary, it takes a little bit of a leap like beyond. Like You have to be able to see beyond what's on screen or what's happening and find that deeper, sometimes more disturbing meaning behind it all. And so, you know, I'll put it this way. Oppenheimer is a, it's a really solid film. I don't know at this point right now if I'd consider it Nolan's best in my mind. Even, you know, his last film, Tenant. I feel like that was a really strongly uh, constructed and crafted film. But it took me a few viewings to really kind of come around to it and, and appreciate it. Not, not only the the kind of wizardry of it and, and all that, the tricks of it, but like the meaning of it. And so um, this, uh, this at least works a little quicker in my mind on the first view, and I was very much amazed and impressed by it. I'll say two things, though, that I think, I don't know, kind of turned to my experience just a little bit. You know, the the issue with a lot of Nolan's more recent films is also present here with sometimes the dialogue just doesn't doesn't sound right. And I don't know if it's like a presentation thing and part of a theater problem or it's just the way the audio or the recording is done when filming. You know, there's so many factors that go into it. Right. But I know it's been a thing with. Uh, interstellar it was a thing with dunkirk even with uh what was it, the bane movie the batman movie with bane in it right the dialogue is such a problem because of other sound effects and other uh just the way things were captured maybe here it's it's also a problem and sometimes it's even like the music is interfering and i, I you know i don't have the ear that maybe the sound engineers have but it doesn't sound good to me Not always. And so that was a little bit of a distraction at times. It wasn't enough to make it a bad film, of course, but it it just made it a little bit harder, a little more, I guess, hostile to the ear. You know, I'm already trying to understand the ideas and, and follow everything that's happening. Don't make it hard for me to just hear what people are saying. Unless that's on purpose. But I didn't feel like that was the case here. I felt like there were some really important things being said, and I couldn't quite make them out. And so, and the the other thing is just there's a lot of hype, a lot of buildup about this portrayal of the Trinity test and the awesome power, the destruction of it all, and the force of it, the magnitude of it. And while it is impressive the way it's done, Of course, I guess with no computer generated imagery or anything, I think because it was put out there so far ahead of the film itself of like, look, here's going to be our big moment. And this is the thing you want to pay attention to. In my own mind, I just started going in my own direction with it. It's like, how are they going to depict this? What is this going to look like? What is the most nightmarish, hellish moment the the imagery that they would have to use to make this thing really just like push me into the back of my seat and i don't know i guess my mind just went to other places and so when it happens in the movie it's not what i imagined or expected so then it's it's a little bit anticlimactic just from my own personal expectations i guess but, I mean, otherwise, it is a real show-stopping moment, and it's designed to be that way, of course. And yet, it, it was still surprising that that wasn't even close to the end of the film. So, in a, in a way, that's good, though. I mean, I want to see that there is more depth to this. We're not; It's not a one-trick pony. We're not just coming here to watch a big bang. We're here to see about what this does to this man and all the people around him. So, I, I appreciate that. It's been, it's actually been a little while since I've seen it and I've kind of held off because coming out of the theater, having just watched it and trying to really take in and process everything that it's trying to convey, it did give me a lot to think about. And not just in terms of the like historic value of it or the, maybe the accuracy of it, of the characters and on all their motivations and all that stuff, but just the bigger, just high-level ideas that are in it. And so that's where I, I again, I just come back to, this is a, a movie, a, a story telling us something about none of the the simpler things that we thought it is. It really is about power itself. It's not about the power of the atom or weaponry, or human intellect. It's about power itself. So if it's one you get to see this year, of course, please, yes, see it on a big screen. See it on the biggest screen you can find. Um, But see it it regardless, because I think it is going to be an important one, just in terms of something about the moment. This might be more relevant in some strange metaphorical way to Christopher Nolan and his struggle and his kind of ongoing let's say battle or war with Warner Brothers which you know if you if you follow any of that and and if you're watching this or if you're watching Oppenheimer let's say you probably follow a little bit of how this all works with these filmmakers especially high profile ones highly successful ones like Christopher Nolan and these large corporate film production studios and and distributors like Warner Bros. And so you know of course the story that look he put out Tenet he thought this was going to be the film that's going to save movies bring people back to the theaters during a pandemic and didn't quite do that and i think maybe at this point the take is that some people really weren't as blown away by the whole thing as they thought they were going to be because i'm sure part of the the whole moment was, well, we just get to get out of the house and go see a quality film by a quality filmmaker. And when it's maybe halfway confusing or halfway boring in some ways, that combined with Warner Brothers maybe not giving it an entirely fair shot, uh, I could see where someone like Christopher Nolan, with all of his success and all of his pedigree, just felt like – uh When the studio finally turned around and said, okay, well, you know what? All these other movies we have coming after this, we're just going to throw them on HBO Max. And maybe we'll show them in theaters, but for sure, we're just going to show them to people in their houses. And so, of course, that disrupted so much of the film industry in terms of distribution and how people get paid according to what and box office numbers and all that. And Christopher Nolan, a lot of other filmmakers, especially those who had their films thrown onto a streaming service instead of getting a real theatrical release, a lot of those filmmakers spoke up and they were not happy about that whole thing. And, of course, this film was not produced or distributed by Warner Brothers. It was done with Universal Studios. It was a whole other company, right? So... To me there's got to be elements of this film of this story let's say where you've got a man who's got a project that's very complicated it's very uh expensive and it's something that really there's more than just his own personal vision that's kind of on the line there is like a bigger world cause to it and when you've got an organization that is sponsoring the whole thing and and kind of calling the shots in a way And they start to take it away from you, and they even maybe start to either vilify you or just you know kind of dismiss your views on the whole matter to the point where you have to find some other way to do this. You have to find some other life now. I mean, come on, that could either be Oppenheimer in this moment in this film, or it could be Christopher Nolan coming off of Tenet and trying to figure out what the hell do I do next because my studio. They're really screwing up. So I, I could see that. There's a subtext there, right? It's got to be that. But otherwise, I mean, for what it is, it's still... I, I think it's still a, a strangely relevant film. All right, so that's what I've got. That's all I can think of for now. I'm sure there will probably be more down the road. I feel like this is one of those. It's going to be a film that it'll take some time to really, truly digest and to kind of become ingrained and I don't know if it's one that's going to be so rewatchable and like a favorite a crowd favorite but it is going to be an important film I think in the meantime you know what to do go watch something new